Hello, and welcome again to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Dr. Ellen Albertson, the author of her book, Rock Your Midlife, and AKA, also known as the Midlife Whisperer, which I like quite a bit. And um, got some more things about her that you should know about to my listeners. Dr. Ellen is a psychologist, registered dietitian, and National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, radio talk show host, Rekay. Reiki master and mindful self-compassion teacher. Known as the midlife whisperer, she helps women have the energy, confidence, and clarity that need to make their next chapter their best. A best-selling award-winning author, inspirational speaker, and expert on women's well-being. Dr. Ellen, are you there? I am here, John. It's so good to join you today. Thank you for yes, having me on. It is. It's uh, This is the part I like because in the past, I would do, be doing dial-ins. Now I'm doing Zoom. And uh, I would I, I have a habit of, I can see you now. <laughs> yes. It's nice <laughs> to have that face-to-face as well as the, uh, the contact verbally. It is. It is. I went through and um, I'm a... I'm a, a table of contents nut so that as I go through, I kind of get an idea of what they're about and the chapters and so forth. Um, and I'll, I'll probably get to those at some point. Um, I wanted to know if um, you're also a podcaster. Is that right? I am. I have a podcast called, same as the book, Rock Your Midlife. It's on the uh, Voice America Radio Network. It's available across all podcast platforms. And it's been an interesting experience to interview other people and get to know interesting folks. It's it's hard not to. Yes. <laughs> it is. Now, I wanted to ask you uh, some more questions. Um, was it difficult when you did your... Um, um, what am I looking for? AKA the the midwife whisperer trademark, your trademark. Um, it was easier than I suspected. This isn't the first time that I've, I've gone for a trademark in, um, different brands. I had actually used lawyers and this one, I did most of it on my own and it's really not as hard and daunting as it seems. And it's, you can do it on your own. Uh, the actual, the website to do it, the governmental website makes it pretty, pretty easy. The, the key thing is making sure that nobody has anything that comes close to what you're looking to do. I was pretty shocked that nobody had the midlife whisperer. Well, you jumped on that one pretty quick, and you were lucky to get it. I did, and I got the URL too, so I was happy to have that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I um, was thinking about that. Uh, it um, it's your next chapter is your best chapter. It's what you say. 
Can you explain a little bit of that, Lise? Sure. Well, you know, I think when we think about midlife, we think about if we Google it, what comes up is crisis. We put it in the thesaurus and what comes up is the wrong side of 40. So we have this idea about midlife, about aging, that it's all downhill, you know, once you pass 40 or 50. And so I'm really here to say that, you know, your next chapter really can be your best chapter if you know what to do. If you follow these seven steps in my book, I know I'm finding myself, there's been a lot of twists and turns at midlife for me, but I'm really, I'm probably happier than I've ever been as an adult because I really know myself. I love myself. I feel good physically. I have a lot of love in my life. I'm having adventures, having fun. So I think I'm here to say that, yeah, midlife can be great and you can make your next chapter, your best chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. Now, Albert Einstein has a quote here in your introduction. There are two ways to live your life. One is though nothing is a miracle. The other is though everything is a miracle. It's the flip side, you know, how people look th at things. You know. uh, it's uh, one of those things that makes you stop and think about why am I doing this? and What did I do? And what I haven't done. Um, You've got some chapters here that are interesting for me. And I'm going to start with chapter six. It's step number four. It's the reprogram of your brain. I'd like some of that. <laughs> I think we all, we, all, we all would. Well, you know, the cool thing is that there's, there's something called neuroplasticity. And this simply means that your brain constantly is evolving and developing. Scientists used to think that once you reach like 18, your brain stopped developing. We now know from the moment you were born to the moment you leave this earth that your brain is always changing. So the point of this chapter is both to, to help people a little bit with their cognitive capacity. And when we do know it, we lose a little bit of our um, what's called kind of the fluid intelligence, the cognitive abilities. I know I'm not quite as sharp. My memory's not as good as it used to be, but so I give people, you know, tips and things, the numeric devices that they can use to work on their mind. But then another part of it too is to work on your mindset. And so really keeping your mindset very positive, really, I think that Einstein quote that you beautifully read is about seeing that life is a miracle, that life is amazing, and that it's not about always being a Pollyanna and everything's always great, but it's really about trying to see silver linings and the good in things and seeing how you're learning, how you're growing, how you are showing up and making the world a better place. So we have a lot of control over our mind. We have something like 50, 60,000 supposedly thoughts every single day, and we can choose which ones to hold on to and expand on and which ones to let go. What would you describe in that mindset? What is mindset consist of well mindset is is where you're literally your focus is set so your mind when you are thinking we again we have positive thoughts negative thoughts and neutral thoughts so your mindset can be either i'm going to focus more on the positive so again thinking about optimism is the glass full or is the glass half full half empty it's actually all full so are you focusing on all of the fullness all of the blessings in your life there's so much research around things like gratitude and kindness where we when we have this attitude of gratitude when we go out of our way to 
to be kind to others and ourselves, we actually are happier and then we're also healthier. You can also, you know, focus on mindfulness. So is your mind mindful of all kinds of difficult thoughts and troubles and worries or are you is your are you in a place of presence where you are experiencing what you're experiencing and really in slowing down and savoring and enjoying all of the wonderful things that life offers us mm -hmm. i see here that it says from muddy waters to a crystal spring and i have to intercede here uh, muddy waters is a mississippi blues guitar player yes <laughs> yes so but i believe we're not talking about him now <laughs> no we're not but he is a, he is a wonderful blues artist really talking about you know having clarity of mind i think that's something that happens as we you know passing through midlife and moving on we become wiser right we see things clearer if we're focusing on that positive mindset and we're focusing on you know working on ourselves and uh and and really trying to figure out who am I, what am I doing here, and how can I make a bigger difference in the world? Right. I, I wake up every day with that. And sometimes I get answers and sometimes I don't. <laughs> well, sometimes um, not having an answer is your answer, right? Sometimes it's like, right. okay. Exactly. As long as we keep it thinking. Um, do you find people that, um, as, as, as we age, that they re rely on certain things? Uh, not an Alzheimer's uh, patient. Uh, I don't know that they've uh, found anything that's a cure for Alzheimer's. But having short-term memory problems, uh, where did I put that? Where are my keys? Uh, the, the, <laughs> those are things that that uh, you know. I would I would next time I was in Walmart, I'd go in and, and get a bottle of something that uh, says you're going to think better, think faster. Huh? What do you believe? You, think, you know that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say certainly having systems. So, you know, you use the keys. So making sure you put your keys in the same place all the time. What we can do is we can create habits and putting things in the same place, doing things habitually, good positive habits, right? And so when we do that, it actually frees up brain space. We're not thinking about how we're going about things. I think I'm a big fan of writing things down. You know, we all carry these cell phones around now that have notes so we can use actually pieces of paper. And then there's also, you know, this wonderful thing called exercise, which actually has been shown to improve, you know, your, your brain. So we're bringing oxygen, we're oxygenating our brain. So making sure that you are moving your body. It doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to do CrossFit, but you know, going for a walk outside in the air for half an hour every day um, is a great thing. And something I love doing too is to work on my cognition is I do puzzles. My uh, my fiance and I, every evening, we have a bunch of puzzles that we, New York Times, mini crosswords, spelling bees, things like that. So challenging mm -hmm. yourself, learning a new skill is also awesome. I'm learning to play the ukulele. Um, it's just a really fun way that I am growing those new neural connections and keeping my brain young. Mm -hmm. Well, my wife and I find uh, the time to, um, what's their show? The the, um, the word show, Fortune, oh, Wheel Jeopardy? of Fortune. Wheel of Wheel Fortune. Of, Wheel of Fortune. Uh, that's one of those where you, you got to think about what people are th doing and thinking, what they're thinking. and. Um, it's kind of, it's okay, but it's something to do. Yeah. Jeopardy is another good one. Uh-huh. 
that's not quite the same show anymore to me. It's one of those things, you know, that uh, it, uh, it opens up and I'm saying, where is that guy anyway, you know? I hear you. He's passed on. Um, chapter nine, that's step number seven. And you, you've lockstepped with your step one, step two, step three. You know, I should let you do that. Um, who am I really? as a chapter what what do you focus on there yeah so that is our the first step is really and i think that resonates with what your show is about right integrity knowing mm -hmm. yourself is certainly one of the most important things that we can all do i think so often we wear masks we go out into the world and the you know our society or our peers parents tell us who we're supposed to be how we're supposed to dress what we're supposed to do we kind of lose ourselves and i think midlife is really a time where we can start asking these questions like what do i love to do what did i love to do as a kid what did i want to be when i grew up what are my strengths what are my weaknesses what are my passions so in this chapter i give people lots and lots of journaling prompts, as well as various websites where they can actually do some strength testing and seeing what you're awesome at and learning to use those strengths in new ways. So getting to know yourself is so important at any stage of life, but certainly midlife, because if you don't know yourself, it's going to be like you're climbing up this ladder of success, but it's up against the wrong building. So you get to the top and you look around and you wonder, where am I? Why am I not happy? I did all of these things I was supposed right. to do to be happy. Right. But now that I've arrived, it just doesn't feel authentic. I don't feel good in my skin. And that's when we're wearing these masks and we don't feel confident. The, the word confident, the root of the word is confide. You know, when we are ourselves, we're, we trust in ourselves, right? We know that I'm just being the USU. No one can tell me that I'm doing it wrong. So it's super important at any stage, but certainly midlife to get to really know yourself and show up more authentically, be the, the authority, the author of your reality. Yes. You know, at, 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 at times you look back and you think to yourself, did I really need those vaccinations? And then there was all these studies and CDC and those kind of things that just go on and on and on and on and on. And you you, you sit back and you think, now, is that really right? You know, so many people were were questioning it, especially now that it's ending. Here come the questions. So I'm I'm waiting to see how that turns out. You and me both. <laughs> number two befriend yourself now that's a hard one for me what do you find hard about it um you think in terms of uh why did you do that why did that happen to you uh you know i, I i'm an author which you probably know and um i was caught up in something I didn't wasn't involved in but nevertheless uh it was um a, a small war that lasted about 14 years and finally I got my presidential pardon yeah so so with the the befriending yourself so it sounds like you know you you're questioning yourself and what happened so 
the whole chapter here is really about something called self-compassion. And so the way you befriend yourself is you start to treat yourself like a good friend instead of maybe judging yourself or being critical. You're kind and you just say, wow, that was a really hard for me. That experience mm -hmm. that you just explained, that was really hard. I got through it and I was here for myself. So it's, you know, the self-love piece, really the how of that is something called self-compassion. And the cool thing about self-compassion is that the research shows that we can grow it. So no matter, you know, wherever you are in the spectrum of loving yourself, I used to be incredibly critical, that typical type A personality. My body had to be perfect. My career had to be perfect. My marriage had to be perfect. All of this stuff, always beating myself up, thinking that right. if I, you know, if I, go fast enough on that hamster wheel. If I beat myself up more, then I'll somehow reach that place of perfection. And then I discovered self-compassion and it was like, oh, wait a minute, common humanity. We all make mm -hmm. mistakes. We are mm -hmm. all, as you know, one of my spiritual people I follow says, we're bozos on the bus. We all are imperfect beings. So when something goes wrong, as you know, you were describing, it's normal aging, right. getting wrinkles or losing your memory or, you know, getting in some kind of, as you said, war, those things are normal. And so when, it, when something goes wrong, we don't beat ourselves up. We just go, oh, this is normal. And when something goes wrong, we say, you know, if I had a good friend going through this, what would I say to him or her? How would I treat him? And then we treat ourselves that way. So it doesn't happen overnight, but the, the self-love piece is really about learning to treat yourself like a good friend. And it's a little harder for men, I think, than women, right? I think women, we have a little bit more of that feminine, soft energy for men. Mm -hmm. It can feel a little weak, like, oh, am mm -hmm. I being weak here if I'm being nice to myself? Right. And it actually takes tremendous courage to be compassionate. You think about people like Martin Luther King, you think about the Dalai Lama, you think about Mother Teresa. These are really fierce people. Self-compassion has a, you know, a fierce mm -hmm. side too, like the mama bear sure. of I'm going to protect my cubs. So anybody can learn it. So wherever you are, you can learn to be nicer to yourself. Well, as I finish one of those thought episodes, I always reach around and pat my back. Good for you. And that, and that works. Yeah, it does work for me. Um, let's see. We, we did reprogram your brain. Um, and now we're looking at empower yourself. Yes, that's about finding power from within. So often we're looking for power from without. We're thinking, you know, when I have this stuff or I have this promotion or, you know, I have this what marriage or relationship, whatever it is, we're looking for often they're looking for power from without. I think our society really emphasizes that. But empowerment is really from within, understanding that first step, who am I? Loving yeah. yourself, advocating for yourself. And also in this chapter, I also talk about something called the law of attraction, which is really about um, creating a blueprint for your life what it is that you want, and then um, energizing that with your emotions. So actually knowing that I can create a life that's right for me, not a life to make somebody else happy, not a life that, mm -hmm. you know, I see on the media and TV, on Instagram, whatever that looks happy, but what is that life that's right for me? And how do I uh, you know, connect with God, divine, whatever you want to call that and get that kind mm -hmm. of direction and really feel like, yeah, I'm on my path, you know, whether it's wherever it is, I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So there is this kind of empowerment from within that you're co-creating your life and that there's a bigger purpose to your life. Well, I, um, 
I lean heavy on that one sometimes and might have to wash myself and rehab your relationships from we to me. So this one's super important because what happens is as you go through the first five steps, so as you start to feel authentic, you start to love yourself, you're energizing yourself, you are working on your brain and you're feeling empowered, what happens is you start to feel like the butterfly, like, wow, I'm getting through this midlife chrysalis and here I am and my wings are starting to dry and you're feeling really good. But the problem is that everybody else in your life still thinks that you are the caterpillar. They're like, no, you're you're not a butterfly. You're a caterpillar because their <laughs> concept of you hasn't caught up with your reality. So you've transformed, but they might not see the transformed you. So in this chapter, I give people three techniques to help you to be seen, to help get your needs met. So it's basically, first of all, uh, letting that your, your good, your people pleaser go, right? A lot of us are people pleasers where we're always doing things for other people and letting that part go and really saying, you know, it's okay to put yourself first. We, when we ride on a plane, we always put our own oxygen mask on first, because if you can't breathe, if you aren't getting what you need, then you can't help anybody else. So that's the first thing is let the people pleaser go. The second uh, piece is about creating some boundaries. So telling people that this is what I stand for, this is what, you know, I deserve, you need to treat me this way. And then, then having a line in the sand, if they cross that line, well, these are the consequences. So creating a, what I call your personal bill of rights about what you want to stand for, which is very empowering and self-loving. And then the last piece is something called non-violent communications, which is a technique that was developed in order to get your needs met. So what you do is when you notice something is bothering you, when you speak with someone, you, you know, you observe what's going on, you tell the person how it makes you feel, and then you um, request them to do something differently. So it's a very powerful step-by-step -step process that can help you get your needs met and communicate more effectively. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Um, the um, enlightening yourself. Um, do we just do that? Um, we haven't. We we've touched on it a lot, and I think because of the nature <laughs> of your show and having watched some of your wonderful, right, uh, listened to some right. of your other guests, knowing that your show is is very much about you know spirit. This is all about understanding that I'm not a human you know, having ha, with a soul, but perhaps I'm a soul having a human experience, starting to see yourself more as soul, more as spirit, connecting with that part of yourself. Because I think as humans, we're, we're very unique, right? We are animals, right? We are creatures of right. the flesh, <laughs> but we're also connected with God, consciousness, spirit. You, you certainly know that through, you know, your experiences in life. And so this is really understanding that and understanding that, you know, everybody is on their own journey, that my True. spiritual path is very different than your spiritual path. Maybe we're, you know, as we get through midlife, and this happens a lot where people start to realize, huh, maybe I'm going to reinvestigate that spirituality I grew up with, or maybe I want to try something new, mm -hmm. or maybe you want to go in some kind of pilgrimage. I kind of feel like the first 25 years of life were all about learning things. The second 25, like 25 to 50 is all about fame and fortune. And then we get mm -hmm. you know, through that 50 midlife period, and it's more about kind of giving back, enriching who we are. And then the last period of life is really even deepening the spirituality, but starting to deepen your spirituality now, understanding like, What's where do I find meaning, passion, and purpose in my life? And what is this that my connection with all that is? I like the uh, part of the conclusion, chapter 10, 
It's uh, I think it's it's called reiteration, finessing the phoenix. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm a reiteration nut. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, Learning. so it's about yeah the phoenix is about rising from the ashes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, finessing though, what what's what's that there? Well, it's putting a a spin on it, right? Giving it a little bit uh -huh. of a little bit of jazz. So I know for me, having gone through all of these steps, and I've gone through so many challenges at midlife. I've been divorced. I went blind. I actually had a breast cancer diagnosis. I've been through a lot of things, but every single thing has helped to change me, chisel me, make me a more substantial human. So it's like, yeah, you burn things down, but then what arises from that? And how are you in, you know, looking at this in a way of seeing it as sort of the whole totality of your experience? What does the, the finesse, the jazz, mm -hmm. the take, you can look at it and say, oh my God, I'm exhausted, divorced, and I've moved four times in five years. And I've been through so many things where I can say, yeah, well, every single thing, it's like whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So all of these things that we go through, I think midlife is a really challenging period. We are literally, our bodies are changing, our relationships mm -hmm. are changing. Maybe we're going through empty nests. We're going through perhaps, you know, a divorce or, you know, death of, a, of parents. Uh, we're going through a need for, for a career change, all kinds of things. And we can rise from all of these things that are kind of burning down and say, okay, I'm going to let those things, let those ashes go. I'm going to spread those ashes and I'm going to give birth to something new. So I think that finessing is really thinking, okay, what am I going to give birth to? I think that the part of the big point of this book, John, is that this is the first time in human history that we're living to 80, 90, 100. So right. we're getting like 30 additional years. And what are we going to be doing with those bonus decades? I know for me, it's a whole second adulthood. I have just met an amazing partner and we are traveling, we are having fun, we're kind of you know empty nesting it. And we're just really... Um, deeply in love and, and really loving our lives and doing things collectively and personally. So I think that this piece is all about um, how do you reinvent yourself or reiterate yourself, as you said, at midlife so that you are really uh, creating this amazing second adulthood for yourself. Well, part of that too is uh, building character. When you, when you see those tests and you see the results, then you understand that you've come out, come out to a person with a different character. A better character. Yes. I always think about, you know, uh, what what uh, Wayne Dyer says about the ego is edging God out. Are we letting go of some of the ego is important. We need an ego, right? We need an ego to show up and be on a podcast. We need an ego to know we are here to feed ourselves and do all kinds of things. But letting the ego not drive the ship, but letting more of your soul, your spirit drive the ship, your, your deep right. essence, um, and using, you know, your skills and your wisdom that you have and the character that you've built to help you create an amazing next chapter. Well, Dr. Ellen, I'm going to ask you if you would inform my audience, my listeners to where they can find your book. And well, buy thank it. you for the opportunity. So the book is on Amazon. It is uh, uh, Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Next Chapter Your Best Chapter. It also is available on Ingram Spark. So if you go into your bookstore, if you'd rather just go and buy the, the 
paperback. You can also get that on Amazon, or you can go into your bookseller and get it. You can also go to my website, which is the midlifewhisperer.com. There are links there to the book as well as other places you can find me. And there's also a free gift, 10 tips to rock your midlife. If you want to get started right away on rocking your midlife. Well, um, I'm going to look into that and I want to thank you for, uh, being our guest today. Uh, you have a you have a plethora of, of, of ideas along this this uh, subject, and it's greatly appreciated uh, that you shared it with my uh, with my listeners. Well, thank you, John. It was lovely to be here with you. Uh, let's see, searching for integrity. Our time is up. So long and happy trails to all. <laughs>